0: it was like very clear that the average of the five people you're around is who you become.
1: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Doug show. And this episode is going to be a fun conversation with my friend, Rob Atkinson. We recorded this a little while back, but the ideas still apply, of course. This episode is on the thousand day rule. And this is a concept that, uh, you know, I'll define a little bit more in depth later, but Rob and I heard about this, uh, you know, a few years ago and we really, it resonated with us. And in fact, it resonated with a lot of people as uh, time goes on. And the, you know, the more folks you talk to, you realize that, you know, entrepreneurship is, uh you know it's a, it's a scary journey it's a scary journey and rob and i we kind of got into this affiliate marketing game um by accident we found it while we had full time jobs and then we slowly got obsessed with the concepts and both of us at different points in time took you know some leaps of faith to go uh to go for it and, and to like make this our full-time gig. And luckily um, we stuck with it. Like each of us stuck with it for long enough to make it work. And part of the thousand day rule is that to like stick with it. I'm going to break in here and make a couple quick announcements and let you know a few things about this episode. This is actually a rebroadcast. So this was episode eight of the Doug show, which turned out to be pretty popular. And it's one of my favorites overall, just because of the topic and, you know, the thousand day rule chatting with Rob and that sort of thing. The other part is I caught a cold. I caught a cold because I've been traveling. I've been visiting with family around the Christmas and holiday and new year season So I've been around a lot of relatives from faraway lands and I'm from a faraway land and everyone seems to be a little sick and I caught a cold. I haven't been getting enough rest. Maybe I had a couple too many beers for too many nights in a row or something like that. But the fact is I don't feel awesome. And I was like, this is a great opportunity to hit some of the greatest hits out there. I just use hits twice in the same sentence. And I think that makes it three times. So anyway, this is a rebroadcast and I encourage you to check out the archives. I mean, when I heard this episode, um, or the topic, rather the thousand day rule by the tropical MBA, I listened to that episode multiple times, probably uh, once a year at this point, um, It's just a good episode to revisit. So I encourage you to check out the original from the Tropical MBA and, you know, check out this episode. Now, the other cool thing is because we have over a hundred episodes on the Doug show, I perused the archive and I saw another short episode, though quite popular, about the difference between making hundreds per month and thousands per month online. And that was a question that was sent in by multiple people, multiple times. So that is going to to show up at the end of this conversation. So I'll jump in again later. I do want to let you know that this episode is brought to you in part by Ezoic. And Ezoic is a software platform that helps website owners make more money from their sites. Ezoic uses machine learning, basically AI, that is artificial intelligence. And that's the good kind. That is not the kind that's going to take over the world. This is the kind that helps you provide a better visitor experience, which helps you earn more money. So Ezoic optimizes the revenue on a per visitor basis. I thought Ezoic was just another display ad network, but it's not. It's an end-to-end platform and you can use the drag and drop functionality to place ads as opposed to copying and pasting code, which that's what I was doing before. So it's much easier to sculpt your site and put the ads where you want them to go. The coolest part is the Ezoic will test the ads, the locations of the ads, the ad types and the networks to optimize revenue. And it will do all of the things that are working well and less of the things that are not working well. So it just makes sense. They rolled out a site speed accelerator very recently and it helps your site load faster by automatically doing all the best practices like optimizing images, lazy loading images and other things that can be lazy loaded. They take care of the CSS optimization and all that complicated stuff that is a little hard to do if you don't have a good tool to do it. So check out the seven-day free trial over at eZoic. And thanks a lot to eZoic. If you haven't checked them out, I highly encourage you to do so. So let's get to the thousand-day rule and back to the original rebroadcast. There's a post over on uh, my blog, Niche Site Project, and I titled it The Niche Site Roller Coaster. And this is part of like a case study that I did a couple years ago with a friend of mine. I'll just, I'm going to read a couple little excerpts. So I, I open it like this. Um, working for yourself seems like it will be perfect. No one to answer to but yourself, and you can make your own schedule. It sounds perfect, right? What could go wrong? If you want to take a 2 hour lunch, no problem. If you want to go for a hike in the middle of the day, that's great. If you want to sleep in, you could do it. But it can get weird. Dark. And your day could look something like this. And there's a there's a little cartoon which will be hard to describe. So do have a look, but basically it's a roller coaster ride and there's some ups and there's some downs it goes from i'm excited to this is hard to it's working and then to, i messed up and then i think i'm going to go bankrupt and i think i'm i'm awesome i don't get why i get so down on myself and then Next thing you know, you're thinking, "I was wrong. I suck." So it's a roller coaster. It's a very, it's very common. It's very common. Um, a lot of times when you hear about these uh, stories, they're success stories. It's uh, rainbows and jelly beans and uh, you know, endless beer. Let's get into the uh, thousand day journey here. And I want to thank my friend Rob Atkinson for uh, joining us. I'll place some links. Uh, Rob and his wife have a travel blog that they. Uh, They blog there sometimes, so you should check it out. Let's send it over to the interview now. Today, we're talking about the thousand-day rule, and we got this from the Tropical MBA. That's a fantastic podcast out there. I'm going to define it real quick. The thousand-day rule, this is by Dan Andrews. It's called What Living the Dream Really Looks Like. Our basic hypothesis is this. You'll be doing worse than you were doing at your job for a 1,000 days after you start your Muse business. Again, this is still Dan talking. I've seen it happen a bunch of times. For many of us, it's been almost exactly those 1,000 days it took for us to get back to the level of income we enjoyed in our corporate days. I'm sitting here with my friend, Rob. How's it going over there, Rob? Good, happy to be here. How are you doing? Doing really well today, and... I'm excited to talk about the thousand-day rule. By the way, we'll link it up in the description so you could check it out yourself. But when I first heard about this thousand-day rule, I was like, that makes so much sense. I was probably, you know, 300 days in, so I could could sort of feel what they were describing. And we're going to Go through what uh, Dan Andrews describes as the yearning, the great hope, and the grind, and then the sunrise. So there's sort of four stages that you sort of go through. We'll go through each one, but I I totally remember like being sort of on the early stages, learning about this thousand-day rule. Rob, when did you first hear about this? Uh, I've heard about it just –
0: I think I've listened to them before and just kind of heard it. I didn't actually know that it was – So much about like replacing your old job's income or whatever. I just thought it was more. They meant if you do something for a thousand days and you stick to it, you don't quit along the way. You know, you're you're essentially going to be successful, proficient in it in that regard. Now that I've heard about it, actually, I and I'm doing the math in my head as you're explaining it. It's like scary how on it is for me.
1: Yes, and. We probably should have started recording earlier, but we were kind of going back and forth where, I mean, basically, we remember each, you know, sort of one of these stages. But the, the big thing that we remember is like early on where we were so impatient. We had our day jobs that we hated and we just were like. We're smart, we're really dedicated. We'll outwork other people like we want to do this, but we we're still in the first sixty days or a hundred days, and you can't really rush it and you know, I think everyone can relate once you get past that certain point so let's um let's go into the yearning phase, and this is before your thousand days so for me, this was you know, working the corporate job and not really like, even knowing that there was internet marketing out there or that we could work for ourselves. I didn't ha- sort of have like an entrepreneurial background or anything like that. So how about you, Rob? Like, that-
0: very, very similar. I had no entrepreneurial background uh, up until December of 2012. I was just kind of coasting along. I think we talked in another series, I'm not sure, but I mentioned how we were driving home from Canada to see family with my brother. And in the back of the car, I was looking at on my phone and I Googled how to make money online and
1: just that was, that started the yearning for me. Gotcha. And then from like that point, like how long was it until you like launched your first site or took your first steps?
0: Uh, yeah, I think I launched like a, a very fun, uh, kind of sports related blog a couple months after. So that would have been February of 2013. Okay. Um, but then didn't really transition to, to, like really trying to monetize and strictly going for that route until probably like May, June of, of that year. Uh, yeah, 2013.
1: Okay. Cool. And it's, it is interesting since we were sort of in the t- same timeline there. It was a few months after you um, and I found Smart Passive Income and found, you know, niche sites and the idea of affiliate marketing in general in around like April of 2013 or so. So right around the same time. Now, a couple things that, that Dan mentions in the yearning phase are you hate your job. <laughs> So I think, I don't know if I hated it at that point, but I wasn't super happy and you nodded. You you didn't really love your job at the time.
0: Yeah, I think hate's the wrong word. Like I liked the people, it gave me something, but I just didn't like the path and I knew there was something missing.
1: Right, and I think, you know, there were definitely portions that I I did hate. So there were were pieces that I did hate, but I think it's kind of like, Even if you don't hate your job, if you're just like accepting what's given to you, like I did fine in high school and then I was able to go to college and make it through without much debt. I worked and and got scholarships and stuff, and then I got a job, a reasonable one, and I never really like I never had to do anything to stretch. And it was it was just like complacent, a little bit boring. It was generally fine but it wasn't like accomplishing anything where I was like proud of it. If that makes sense.
0: Completely understand. Yeah.
1: So next as, uh, (laughs) as we go through the yearning phase again, I, I link it below. So, so you could have a look yourself. You're failing at affiliate marketing. You try to talk about this stuff with your family and friends. You're trying to partner up with your friend, or girlfriend or boyfriend, and you're buying a bunch of domains, you're starting a bunch of projects, and you're stopping when competition shows up. And uh, yeah, I think that's a hundred percent accurate on my side. what What did you see on your side?
0: <laughs> yeah, failing. So and then I tried to kind of come up with this flowchart or this uh, spreadsheet kind of projecting how much I would need to invest, how much I would make in revenue. and i I made a PowerPoint and presented it in front of my mom and dad because nice. I was like, yeah, I was like, I was like, all right, I'm already making like a few hundred dollars. Uh, I was like, I think I, my site got crashed by the way, right after. But I was like, I think I can turn this into like 3000 $4,000 a month. Here's my projections. Like, can I just, I'm not asking for money, but like, I think it would make sense if you invest in me and blah, 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 blah,
1: blah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you still have the PowerPoint? Oh, I'd have to look so hard for it, but that would be hilarious. That would be really cool. Yeah. And I mean, you try to explain this stuff to your friends And my, I'm a a few years younger than uh, some of my close friends back in Atlanta. I was a little embarrassed to mention it. These are, you know, I think everyone has an MBA that I hang out with. I'm like the least educated, dumbest person um, of my friends. So they all have MBAs or a few years older. And um, I remember explaining it and they're like, that doesn't sound like much money. Sounds like a scam. And of course, at that point, I was just starting, so I only knew of this stuff conceptually. I was really excited, but uh, you know, they didn't make too much uh, fun of me—not more than usual. But they were kind of like, "This doesn't doesn't sound right," you know. By the way,
0: by the way, by the way, that was more day one to three hundred and thirty-three. I gave a story that wasn't quite. uh, Oh sure, sure. The unit. I skipped ahead. My apologies. (laughs) So I said I was making like three or four hundred dollars. That was like a good year almost after since the day I kind of jumped into it so
1: good call good call yeah I I, it it blends in because there's definitely like the yearning part where you have a job before you've actually started doing things so there's definitely a blend Um, and it's it's very
0: my friends just thought I was just like just some weirdo like how like I was like showing them websites and this and that they're like cool
1: (laughs) (laughs) sure whatever. Yeah. So, um, and that, that's really cool that you did that presentation, which, yeah, I'll, well, I'll see if you could find it and you, we could go over that. But the, the interesting part is a lot of the yearning is, you know, you're sort of unhappy, you're kind of trying, but you're giving up early and I, I actually see this a lot. And in fact, when, when I move to a new project of some kind, It like it all happens again. So we may touch on this more after we get through all the four phases here. But like when I started working on YouTube, for example, it kind of resets. Right. So that's interesting. And you have to remember that um, like you get through it. So the last point that they they mentioned on here is before uh, or, or sorry, the last point they mentioned with the yearning is you write bitter blog posts about the four hour work week, which is kind of funny because, you know, a lot of people got their start via the four hour work week. And when you try it and you hit competition or it doesn't work like you expect, you get a little upset. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people are bitter upfront when they see other people succeeding and they think they should be doing better. 100 percent agree. So day one to day 333 is called the great hope. So I'll sort of open, open it up and say, uh, or I'll open it up and mention a few of the points that Dan has here. So you stop playing around with your GoDaddy account and you get to work. I'm putting a buy button on a website. So you're moving forward. You start calling potential clients and customers You stop talking to family and friends and start hanging out with entrepreneurs and people you share your journey. That's a big one. You work out some funky deal for cash runway. You take on freelance work. You negotiate a severance package and you ask friends and family for money like an idiot and so on and so forth. And they do know most people quit here, but you do not. You have the eye of the tiger. So... (laughs) What do you think about, about this, uh, the great hope section, Rob? Uh,
0: yeah, there's just one I'm trying to look at. You stop talking to friends and family and you start hanging out with entrepreneurs. I think, uh, you know, starting to read different blogs about entrepreneurs and their path. It was like very clear that the average of the five people you're around is who you become. I think they mentioned that in four our work week, but I can't remember. Uh, So it was very clear that this playing around, this yearning stage was over. And, you know, I I love my friends and they're good for a hangout here and there, but they're not what I was going for. So I kind of just cut them off and, you know, kind of told them, but they were like, hey, where have you been? What are you doing? I was like, I just want to build a business and, you know, quit my job. And they're like, okay. (laughs) So I, I relate to that point the most. How about you?
1: Yeah, I think... I think that, um, is the primary thing. And then we can link to our mastermind discussion. But, you know, at that point you and I figured out like, Hey, we need to like be around people who are kind of trying to do the same thing. And we have the same vocabulary and we have the same drive and stuff like that. And it really, you know, it makes you feel a little bit more validated, even if you don't have the revenue to like back it up. But since we're all moving forward, like it's not, uh, it's not sort of like an empty, an empty thing. It's, it's actually meaningful for, you know, some of the other stuff, you know, you, you take on freelance work, um, and everyone thinks you should take a vacation and get back to your old self. So, I mean, I think just the fact that, um, I did take on like some freelance work like right when I was getting started. This is actually kind of a funny story. I was I went to a Starbucks which I rarely work at. Uh a Starbucks especially at, at the time, but I was sitting there and I was working on my first site and I heard some people next to me um talking about SEO and ranking and I was like well, that's random. I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I'm pretty, um, you know, introverted and quiet generally. But I was like, are you guys talking about like links, which they were, they were talking like straight up our SEO language. And it was like a fitness instructor who was doing like sort of local SEO. And he was coaching, you know, one of his uh, mentees or whatever. So it was interesting. And I sort accidentally, right, talked myself into a freelance gig. I had no idea um, about You know, local SEO or the sort of like competition that we'd be facing. I didn't know how to price it. So I was like, hey, let me take a look. I'll research it. But roughly, then I threw out something like $800 and I could do work for you in like, you know, over the next six weeks and basically like put a proposal together. It it didn't work out. Right. I think a Google update happened around that time. So like I did work and nothing bad happened. But then after some time, um, other things that he, you know, gray hat stuff he was doing, like brought his site down. So anyway, I took on freelance work by accident just because like I knew the right words to use. And I was like, Hey, here's my site. Watch this. Like, you know, you could Google your site and it pops up. It's like, that's all the, the street cred you need right there. So yeah, it's, it's really a grind in that first, um, you know, 300 days when you started Rob, did you like sort of spread yourself thin? Did you like work on too many things or? Were you able to just stick with something?
0: Uh, Definitely too many things. Like it would be a month where I was like, I'm going to do this site and then I'd put up the site, which, you know, good job for getting it up. But then I'd be like, well, I'm not ranking. So next site and then another one. And then, I don't know, somehow a little bit of patience. My patience got a little bit greater and one finally started to trickle in the right direction. And that's all you need. And I relate to this other point on the list. You wonder what you were doing during this time it's kind of like it's like the great hope as you call it for this period but it's also like the great hopelessness like nice. you you feel so lost right like you you feel in, within you that you've, you're, you've surrounded yourself with these people you're moving in the right direction um but you're just like where am i in all this and you you're, you're you're completely lost
1: yeah totally totally so the last point Dan made is most people quit here. You do not. You have the eye of the tiger. And I think, I mean, that could be like the theme for the whole, the whole thing here. I mean, in the first year, which is a pretty long time, if you stick with something for a year and let's say you put in an hour a day, like three days a week, that's a lot of hours. I mean, if you figure out, you know, if you practice an instrument for that long, like you'd be pretty decent at the end of the year. And most people they don't get past that first part and like sticking to it. So did you have the urge to quit in the first year? Was it an option for you or?
0: I think, uh, let me see. So August of 2013, now we're going. So I said, I started in December of 2012. So that's nine months. I actually was so frustrated that I stopped and, Then I didn't look at anything for three months. And I don't know if I've told this story, but I came back December of 2013 around Christmas time, and I was checking and one of my articles was on page one and getting traffic. And then I threw in some affiliate links. Next thing you know, I'm making like 10, 20 bucks a month. And I was just like, wow, okay. So quit and got lucky. So I think with the the first year, you were just like scratching and clawing and you're just hoping for one thing or a few things to go your way.
1: Yeah, totally. That, and that's pretty, so it's pretty interesting that you mentioned it that way. So you basically quit, but you did enough stuff like in the first nine months or whatever that the momentum was there and you luckily went back to check and it was working out, huh? I mean, like,
0: I want to say to you that I would still be here without that, but who knows, you know, like maybe that was the deal breaker.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, for me, I, I don't think I had that. I'm not sure why, because there are definitely like challenging areas where I've like looked at the pros and cons to just like put it in black and white, which doesn't always work. But I'm like, you know what? I don't want to spend time on that effort anymore. I don't think I enjoy it as much. And I, I have a few examples, but with the affiliate marketing stuff, even though I didn't have like a drive for entrepreneurship or a background. And I wasn't particularly interested in like building websites until I learned about it. I think because I launched niche site project, my blog within the first year, I was like committed and in. So, you know, going back to one of the earlier points, like you put a buy button on your website you're, you're calling, you're talking to potential clients. Like I did all that within a year. And then I was like, you know, there's some level of accountability when you have a website where you're like, I'm going to do this stuff. And it's a long-term project. So I always kind of had that view. There were definitely areas in which I was like, you know what, I'm going to quit that part. I don't like that part. I'm, I'm out, but yeah, I, I have a weird, uh, stubborn personality. I think That's So what the blog. With. This one the blog says. worked, <laughs> yeah. oh, sorry, no, the blog, ahead, wor- the blog worked for you. It kind of like kept you accountable.
0: And something we talked about on a different episode was, uh, masterminds. And we'll get into that probably cause it's in a different section, but had we had those, well, had I had that earlier, I might have not have had that three month quitting
1: time. Ah, oh, that's true. That's a good point. Cause like probably, someone would have been like, Hey, just stick with it or tweak this or tweak that. And you would have had a little momentum to keep you going. Yeah. Your perspective's really off in that first year. Yes. Especially. Yeah. If you don't have the the five people that can help pull you up, the, your perspective will be way off and, you know, little support. In fact, there's probably a lot of people like trying to get you off the, the task of what you're trying
0: Absolutely. to do. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: All right. Um, next phase is the grind. This is day 334 to 666. So I'm going to hit the bullet points that Dan talks about. You have customers, you have clients, you have too much work. Your friends and family think you've gone mental. You don't visit your family, even though you're location independent. Your old friends think it's a fraud. You're chasing a dream and they say, get a real job. You have no money. Your business gets written up as a thing you want to be mentioned in and no clients, sorry. Your business gets written up in that thing you want to be mentioned in and no clients come from it. You have constant paranoia, like what if your site's hacked? Your competition just made an update. You wasted a bunch of money on one thing that you don't want to talk about. You're trying to cut some big deals and they'll think about your proposal. So this is the portion where things are happening now can you remember like when you hit that phase
0: yeah right in the middle of this so again this is essentially this is between year two and no no, year one and year two right yep yep so towards the summer so we're just we're just saying like it starts in the beginning of 2013 for me so the beginning of 2014 is like the start of year two or one full Mm -hmm. year has gone by so then that summer, I met you and another individual, and we started a mastermind. And around that time, I got up to about two or $3,000 a month. And relating to this, your location independent. That's when my wife and I quit our jobs. We moved to Thailand uh, in like October, November of 2014. So right in that period, things are starting to shift in the right direction. Money's coming in. It's not an amazing amount of money. We moved to Thailand, and... At this point, our friends don't even remember who we were. Our parents really think we were crazy. And yeah, it's scary how much this is like on point.
1: Yeah. And it, there are different areas that, you know, sort of speak to me. Um, you know, I didn't potentially have too many clients or customers, but I definitely felt like I had too much work. For me, I still had a full time gig and I was doing like more and more on that job, like through this period. So it was probably like the most productive, like year or two years or so where I got a ton of personal projects done. And then I was getting promoted, doing well on my day job. It's weird how that works. Cause I was probably wasn't getting enough sleep, but I was like running on, you know, not different than I am now, but alcohol and caffeine pretty well. <laughs> it's what my body needs, I guess. So the, <laughs> the, um, One thing that is really interesting to me, it says your business gets written up in the thing you wanted to be mentioned in and then no clients come from it. And I could say that again and again and again, that is what happens. So you think, right, you think, hey, if I could just get mentioned by this person or if I could be on this podcast or on that YouTube channel or if they cover me on the news or fill in the blank like thing that you think you need. It's usually, like, 99.9% of the time, nothing happens. You may get a little bump, but it's never the thing. There's almost never one thing, I hope. I think it's, like, a cumulative, like, step by step by step. Slowly, like, people will hear your name. They'll know who you are, stuff like that. But for me, there's never been, like, a thing that, like, brought me to the forefront. It's just been, like you know, small, tiny, good things happening. So do you have anything like that? I know it's slightly different in, in your, uh, world.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't have anything because my world, like unlike creating a blog, it's very much behind the scenes. Um, I will say though, one thing that, you know, at, at the surface for the, I saw from you that appeared to be a big thing, but in reality, it's just this one point in time, it was like a little spike, and like you said, it keeps going. Was when you got featured on Niche Pursuits podcast. Now, yes. now, just between you and me, that's the first time I ever heard of you.
1: Nice, nice, well, and that one probably was the only one where it was like, um, like a launching point. And I think you know, part of it is potentially um, just you know, it was the right timing for like niche pursuits and me. And it was also just launching my blog. So it was within like that, that sort of uh, like guest post and then the podcast, like those were sort of prerequisites for me even launching the site. So like I was talking with Spencer before um, I was going to launch the site, if that makes sense. So Right.
0: But even as, even as positive as, and as, big of a spike as that must have been. I still think to the point it's always incremental and that wasn't the end. Like you don't just stop there and that's it. You still have to keep putting chipping away and stuff like that.
1: Yep, exactly. Exactly. So and the point is like, there are most of the time it's nothing. Sometimes it is though. So like if I was on the Tim Ferriss blog or like Pat Flynn's blog, smart passive income, like, those are influential people that people take the recommendations and i you know th- there are those but i've been on some big ass blogs and like no one reads them no one follows the links no one cares right there's so much content out there but if you hit the right one at the right time it could be something special so anything else on the grind part i mean it's the work like you know it's it's you know it's paying off and you're just dr- driving forward right
0: yeah, I would say I'd say there was like a weird perspective that I had is like, okay, I put in all this work up to this point, right? People thought I was crazy and I took this huge risk and you know, I got up to a few thousand dollars a month. And in my head I was like, Wow, like I'm really proud of myself and where I've gotten, but I'm like, shit, this is like still not that great of a life and it's still risky if my business like gets taken down right now. So I was just like, Man, like how much harder can it be to just hit that, you know, you see the people being like, I'm making X and these people are doing that. And you're like, what does that take?
1: <laughs> yeah. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> and this is uh well, the, the point listed was like the constant paranoia. So that's, there is a constant paranoia and you're just like, what happens if, Yeah, and um, you know, another point is listed here. It says you get by with a lot of help and hustle stuff. You could have never planned starts working out And that has happened a lot of times. So the best things are just like being there and being available to like do a thing at the right time. So, and you nodded. So you've had some things just work out.
0: It's like, it's like if you, when you're in that first stage, you don't know what you're doing. And if you don't, if you stop what you're doing, you basically, you're done, right? If you just keep doing enough things, you're eventually kind of what you're getting to is you're going to create your own luck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something something is going to work out. Something's going to pop up that you're just like, well, wow, I didn't expect that. But you put in all that work. And it, yeah,
1: exactly. And I saw um, I can't. Remember. I, oh, you know what? It was Neil Strauss, um, an, an author. And he was describing, you know, just do something right do something because wherever you're at at that point, you'll have a new perspective, you'll have some new skills, and you'll have like a new view on where you can go. You can think of it as sort of like, I don't know if you're like traveling or something and you're like, you need to get up. Uh, I'm looking at a mountain right now. So I'm like, you need to get up a little bit higher on that mountain, you'll have a better view, you'll see opportunities like you're talking about that like you didn't know were there. And you may not be going in the exact right direction, but if you have a new view, like you'll see some things that you didn't see before. So just get started. And then once you're in that grind phase, things start happening for you. Yep. Okay. Next is the sunrise and this is day six sixty four to 1000. Um, so your friends are starting to ask what your business does. Your family is thankful for your extended vacation time. You'll have to travel, but you won't spend one day away from your inbox and you don't understand people that want to. You could make money, but instead you think you'll hire someone. You have too many business ideas to act on and you're thinking this might just work. You're thankful, you want more, and you have a list of high quality problems. So I think... I think I'm in this sort of phase here now. Are you, are you there, Rob?
0: The, this one?
1: Yeah, the sunrise, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, this one. Um, <laughs> no, I think, again, this reminds me of exactly where I was between the start of 2015 towards the end of 2016. And as I said at the beginning of the call, the December of 2016 was the month. So approximately 1,000 days that i first eclipsed my old full time job income
1: gotcha in in 30 days
0: is that what you said in that 30 day period so that like monthly equivalent um was projected and yeah
1: okay cool that's that's pretty awesome yeah so and it, i think like one of the big things here so in the in the previous phase in the grind you're sort of like in disbelief, like the whole thing is in disbelief um you're realizing that it could work, and then, in the sunrise phase you're realizing, hey, it is working, and I feel a little bit more secure, perhaps you've taken you know other measures to like mitigate risks, and you understand the risks and you understand. You know, it's not the worst thing in the world. All businesses have risks or you if you have a job, you can get laid off. Right. There's no no one's safe. If you want to look at it that way, no one's safe. But um, yeah, when you hit this point, I think and, and from talking to other people, I think usually you end up making like many more times what you could have made in your corporate job like ever. So I don't think I would have made much more than I was making for like the next um 20 to 25 years or so i just didn't have the the drive or the political like corporate savvy to put up with it um you know f- future employers of mine uh disregard what i just said but basically i think you know you, you have a, a certain cap of what a lot of jobs can can get you to and then after that you're stuck so working for yourself you kind of have an unlimited potential you're only limited by yourself so anything to add to that rob
0: no i just look at this list and i see it says you could make money but instead you think you'll hire somebody so 2015 was the year i hired my first full-time virtual assistant um so everything this is scaring me everything is lining up for me uh (laughs) yeah My friends were asking more because we had been gone for almost a year now at this point. We had been abroad. So they're like, are you guys ever going to come back from vacation? You know, so people were starting to be like, wow, I guess maybe this isn't a joke. Maybe he can do it.
1: Yeah. And I guess were they like sort of expecting you to come back in uh, like a a year or something and we ran out of savings. So we're getting jobs again or something like that.
0: Probably. And maybe they still probably think it today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think, um, well, I'm not sure my parents understand quite what I do anyway. Um, I think they, they, they finally stopped calling me for like tech support on their computer. So, um, (laughs) that I think they thought I just worked with computers. So, okay. Now, There's nothing after this. I was going to say it'd be great if there was a a thousand days or more. But, you know, one of the points that um, is in the four hour work week, and I heard Tim Ferriss mention this the other uh, day on his podcast, I'll link up to that as well. But it's like, what do you do when you get there? Like, You know, in in the four hour work week, one of the exercises, the dream line exercise is to like figure out like what you want to do, how much it'll cost and you work backwards from there. The idea being like most of us, like not all of us, but a lot of us have like tastes for things and activities that are reasonable, like you could pay for it if you like rearrange your life a little bit most of the time we just need to rearrange our time and then you'll be, you're able to accomplish those things. The point is like, once you create some, you know, muse or, you know, source of income that doesn't take up all your time, then what do you do? And, and that is the hard part. Otherwise, you know, people like, like me specifically, I will just keep working. Right. So I kind of enjoy the work that I'm doing and I could probably work like 12, 14 hours a day if I'm, drinking a lot of coffee and stuff and I will enjoy it and I'll burn out. And that's not really the idea. I'd rather spend time doing other things. So for you, Rob, like, do you know when you are like, when you reach your goal and then what do you do afterwards? Or were you able to balance it, uh, you know, your lifestyle and the work along the way? So it never got out of sync.
0: It's been back and forth and I'm still trying to figure it out. So I wish they had a thousand day and after guide. So there was a while after the thousand days where things got what I would call really good and we were still traveling abroad. And I was just, I I think the level of leisure and work was pretty relaxed. I mean, I was working, but I wasn't doing anything too crazy. And then uh, recently I've in the last year I've partnered up and we've just, it's been like, go, go, go. Um, so th- that's been stressful in some ways, but also the potential payoffs for it are really high. So it's like, I- I'm still trying to figure out what you want, what I want. But I think for most people, if they're like before the thousand days or even like in the first year stage, um, it might be hard to relate to the, like, once you get past the thousand days, cause it's like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, I still don't even know if I can do it. And you guys are talking about like deciding what you want to do.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing is it it never changes, right? It's just like it shifts. Cause at the beginning we weren't quite sure about like where we wanted to, to spend our time because we didn't know like the best opportunity. Now we don't, we have options, right? We don't know where we want to spend our time. We still see a lot of opportunities. You know, the numbers have changed. Uh, we don't have jobs anymore. Uh, you know, full-time corporate jobs. That is, we're probably working harder, more hours than we were in our corporate jobs. And yeah, it's like the uncertainty never goes away. I guess. True. So yeah,
0: there's there's always new risks and and different things that come along. You're never there's never just this time where it's just like ah everything's perfect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it it just keeps shifting. And, you know, you have to have lawyers and accountants and and stuff like that versus, you know, a VA to help you do writing. So it's just everything shifts a little bit, I think. Yep. Yep. Okay. To sort of close it out, I was going to mention a few of the people that I've interviewed for like five figure niche site, that's my premium course on Amazon affiliate marketing. Rob, you're, you're one of them. You're in there. Uh, Kevin Graham is in there. Uh, Dom Wells and there's a few others, but those, uh, specific guys and myself included, like we started, and then we ran into issues multiple times. We spent a lot of time spinning our wheels, But we all stuck with it for multiple years. So the people that you see, like a lot of times the big case studies or or big uh, sort of influential people that you see on various sites, guests on podcasts, etc., like usually... You, that's a highlight reel like the stories are highlight reels and you have to remember that everyone they spent these thousand days most likely sometimes more sometimes less but typically like people put a lot of time in so if you're in the yearning phase if you're in the first year if you can get out of the first year like i I haven't done any stats or anything like that, but my hunch is if you stick with it for a year, it's probably going to work. Like you're probably going to figure something out. So any thoughts on that, Rob, any final thoughts?
0: Completely agree. And like all those guys that you talk about in your course and you've interviewed, they all stuck to it. And, you know, if someone is thinking about joining your course or wanting to get into it, like you have to understand, like, you might feel like you join it and you're going to get all this knowledge and it's going to be perfect. It's like, no, it's like Doug has good information. Plus you go through the grind. You'll get there.
1: Yes. It it takes a while. And Oh, and I just thought of something else. There are a few other people. So the people I mentioned, we're all about the same age in our thirties ish or so. And there's another set of people which are quite interesting. There's a few people in college, right? So there are 20 or so. But when you go back and you look at their stories, their first website was when they were like 15. So like every, and you know, they, they weren't able to spend a thousand days straight on it. They had to go to school and go to college and stuff like that. But like the younger demographic, like they typically put in time earlier. So it's like, it's the same number of hours, same number of days, it takes a while. So yeah, everyone be patient. Thanks, Rob, mentioning the, the course. It, it's uh, hard work. All the steps are there, but it's not like a, you know, a turnkey solution, right? There's no, if there was such a thing, Rob, yeah. you and I would just buy those, right?
0: We'd well, buy a bunch well, of those. <laughs> well, people like you and me wouldn't exist if it was easy for everyone. So that's true. That's true. right.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. Okay. Thanks, Rob. That was a fun discussion and I really appreciate you joining us today.
0: Yeah, it was awesome. Thanks for having me, Doug.
1: Thanks again to Rob. It's always good to catch up with you, man. And uh, I wasn't sure how I was going to end this episode, but I thought, hey, it would be cool to go back and find that first email that Rob sent over. So I, I'm like a pack rat, so I keep all my emails, and um, you know, Gmail is really good to search in. They're a good search engine, Google. So anyway, I went back and I looked at the first email Rob sent me it was back in April 5th of 2014, and he said, uh, "I'll just I'm gonna just gonna read it." So he said, "Hi Doug, love the work you're doing. I first heard about your efforts from Spencer's podcast. That is uh, Spencer Hawes of Niche Pursuits." And I recently saw a comment on John Haver's website, and that's uh, John Haver from Authority Website Income. So Rob goes on, as I start to progress in this I am world, I'm noticing the relationships and connections by the world's best. It's a great community and everybody appears to be there for support and guidance. All right. Uh, further, Rob goes on and says more on the connections in the IM world. How did you go about getting onto the Spencer Hawes podcast? How have you been able to make so many great connections? I'm guessing the answer is surprisingly simple. Smiley. Keep up the amazing work. Looking forward to see you move up the ranks. Cheers, Rob. And then I replied back. I said, thanks for reaching out. I really appreciate the compliment. Thank you. As you you suspect, the answer is simple. I just ask people, the other bloggers, uh, about some things. Spencer had a success story series that he was pushing last summer, which was uh, like 2013. And I followed the series pretty closely. And once um, I hit success, I just emailed Spencer. In addition, I reached out to other people in the space and most of the people are pretty cool. The other part is that I think my writing and blog uh, has a slightly more professional tone than some of the other bloggers in the space. In addition, I have some credibility in the form of earnings. And then I replied, I asked Rob a couple questions. What's your story? Do you have some niche sites? Are you thinking about starting an IM blog? Thanks again and cheers. And then uh, that's uh, when we first met. And if you're not fully familiar with the story, Rob and I, like we're in a uh, mastermind group for a few years. We're still in one now, although we kind of just, we just chat with each other at this point. We're not like sort of moving in the same exact directions. But the other cool thing is Rob and I, you know, we're in that mastermind group for a couple of years. And then, um, he and I partnered on a site and we eventually sold it for 235,000 with the empire flippers, which was really cool. And I'm actually going to be publishing a couple episodes coming up pretty soon where I, uh, talk about the story. So keep an eye out for that. I called it project, a white hat. And if you've been around for a little while, um, you, you may have heard me talk about it before. We haven't talked about it on the podcast yet. So that'll be coming up soon. All right. So what are the takeaways from that email that Rob sent me and, you know, some of the other details that I just mentioned? So number one, I think timing is very important. So as I read that email that Rob sent me, I think if I receive that email today, it, I, I maybe wouldn't reply in the same way or maybe it wouldn't be as uh, interesting. Rob, Rob met me sort of at the right time during my blogging career while I still had a day job. Rob still had a day job and it, it was literally the right timing. I actually do receive many emails like the Rob like the one that Rob sent, but I don't necessarily, um, I don't have the band. Honestly, I don't have the bandwidth anymore to say, Hey, why don't you join? Like I'm thinking of doing a mastermind group. Why don't you join up with me? Um, I just, I don't have the, I don't have the time anymore. And there's other things that are like more pressing. I kind of have that space filled. I have a few people that I talked to that our peers that have been doing this stuff for a few years like myself. So like I said, timing was key. Now there were another couple of key things that Rob put in the email and that was sort of around, uh, like he, he paid a couple of compliments. He explained like how he got there. It was short. He didn't ask for too much. It was a simple answer and he sort of expected it to be a simple answer. So it worked out really well. And, you know, Rob's a good friend of mine now. and um, yeah, we've we've talked probably every every few weeks for the last uh, you know, almost five years, something like that. So quick recap. Uh, sort of a friendly email, not asking for too much. It happened to be the you know the perfect timing in my journey, and for Rob as well. So that's sort of why we connected. The subsequent emails, I think we were like, "Hey, this is what I'm working on. This is what uh, you're working on. That's interesting. We have some parallels. Like let's let's keep in touch. Like keep up the good work, and and that sort of thing." Now, the other part is the mastermind group. And Rob and I actually recorded another conversation, which will come out sometime in the future. So keep an eye out for that. We talk about mastermind groups and the importance of that. Now, I didn't know what a mastermind group was before I heard about the concept from Smart Passive Income and Pat Flynn. But um, generally, like you're working on something and other people are working on something similar, or at least there's some parallels. You get together, you talk about it, you talk about your problems. You talk about things that are going well. There's a lot of flexibility, but it's sort of like-minded people who are driven in a certain way or not driven. Like you just want to be around similar people. Generally, if you're like taking the time to uh, meet with uh, other people and have a mastermind group, like you're you're driven. You're trying to get some stuff done. So that was key, I, I think, for both Rob and myself, and generally. Um, timing came into play there as well. Like we didn't have groups, but we wanted to meet with other people that spoke our language of internet marketing. And they knew like, you know, we were surrounded by our friends and family who didn't know, um, you know, who, who we enjoy spending time with that we love them, but they didn't know what the hell we were talking about we we're, were trying to do sort of like new things. We're doing new challenging things and our friends and family weren't into that necessarily. So as long as we had like a place to go where we could all sort of understand and empathize and relate with each other, like that was good. So the mastermind served as that, plus the accountability where you say, hey, I'm going to do this work and I'm going to like execute it by a certain time, like you're accountable to your group and your group can give you shit and like be um, hard on you if you're not following through with what you say you're going to do. It's always good to catch up with Rob and I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like maybe this is a little lazy to play these old episodes, but holy cow, I've just been on NyQuil and DayQuil trying to make it through the days here, and at the time that I'm recording this, I'm still in Georgia, and I'm going to be driving for about 20 hours, about two and a half days, I kind of take my time on a road trip like this, So I'm hoping I can get enough rest tonight and have a nice, pleasant trip. So I feel lazy, but it's a little bit out of necessity, a little bit out of necessity. And well, there's a whole other other set of baggage here, I won't even get into, but what I can let you know is I'm about to play the clip where I answer the question. And this is about a 15 minute section here. So it's a, it's kind of a, a bonus jumbo episode here. I'm going to talk about the difference between making hundreds of dollars per month versus thousands of dollars per month. For a lot of people, you're in that sort of limbo area. You figured out how to get some traffic to your site. You figured out how to make some sales. You understand content. You understand a little bit on the SEO side. You have not yet scaled. You haven't hit that point where you're like, wow, I can pay off a significant amount of debt or I can quit my job. For a lot of people, just making $2,500 or $4,000 per month or $8,000 per month is enough to quit their job. It's enough to replace their income or enough to pay for all their expenses and give them a huge, massive amount of flexibility. So let's hear that answer. Whatever I said back in the day, I don't even remember at this point. I'm sure it was insightful perhaps very smart I'm not hundred percent sure, but let's roll it now. So the person I don't remember who it was, but uh, the person asked what the difference was between a site making hundreds per month and a site making thousands per month and I thought I thought it was pretty good. it was pretty insightful. And eh, maybe I've seen the question, uh, you know, sometime in the past. But usually, unfortunately, a lot of times in the live Q and As, we we just see the same questions over and over again. So, um, you know, to be honest with you, I took a pause from having from holding those Q and As because I was doing like at one point I was doing like two per week. Uh, It was really valuable to build a community and understand what. What people needed to know. And in fact, I ended up writing a big section over on Niche Site Project, the FAQ section based on all those questions. Don't worry, I am going to answer the question. But before I get into like the meat of it, I do want to tell you about uh, like some inspiration that sort of hit home with this question. And then um, basically, I, I listened to the audio book. By Steve Martin called Born Standing Up, A Comics Life. And I like Steve Martin a lot. I remember him mainly from movies and stuff, but I also remember he was on Saturday Night Live for a little while. And I, I was too, uh, uh, not too young. I wasn't even born when uh, Steve Martin was doing stand up. But I'm going to read a short quote here. And this is like right in the beginning of this book. Uh, here it is I did stand up comedy for 18 years. 10 of those years were spent learning, 4 years were spent refining, and 4 years were spent in wild success. I was seeking comic originality and fame fell upon me as a byproduct. The course was more plotting than heroic, and I think that is key to understand um you know when When you look at Steve Martin's career, he was like a movie star. Like I said, that's kind of where I knew him from and then realized he was on SNL and maybe a little bit of stand-up, but I really didn't know. And the beginning of his career was doing stand-up. And he talked about in the very uh, beginning, he was doing stand-up for empty rooms. like Literally, there was no one in there, but he had to perform to get people in the door so that they would imagine that there was a show going on in there and they would come and sit down. And like, when you think about that, when you think of the 18 years and you think of 10 years spent learning, I mean, that's, that's kind of insane. And when we are thinking about, of course, uh, like most people, I automatically translate uh, whatever I'm thinking about into Me, You know, I try to imagine myself doing something. And when you're like, oh, I have 18 years to figure this out or I have many years to learn, it's like we don't have to be in such a hurry. And I I see it a lot. Well, actually, I was exactly the same way. Um, When I got started working online, it's like you want to do things as quickly as possible. You don't want to waste time. How can we do it faster? In fact, yesterday I was chatting with um, my VA who's helping me out on Pinterest and things are going well, like traffic is growing on the Pinterest side. I see things are working and I see, you know, we'll plateau for a little while and then we'll improve. And I asked a question that I hate. And in fact, when I was asking it, I knew what I was doing and then I apologized for it. But I said, okay, is there anything we can do to make it go faster? Right. What can we do? Uh, We said, this is working. What if we do more of that? What happens if we 10 X it? Is that going to help or is that going to hurt it? Now, really what I was after is like, can we do anything creative maybe that we haven't thought of yet? Um, are we exhausting our resources or are we just, um, going slower because that's normally what we do. So anyway, I'm meandering a little bit here, but the point is, um, we don't have to be in such a hurry. We actually have more time. Most of the time, Yeah, you know, now, you know, we're all going to die. We don't know when we're going to die on a serious note. Um, so we really don't know how much time we have, but that said, uh usually, right? You you probably got a pretty good amount of time and you don't have to be in a hurry, and if you mess up a couple times as long as it's not like completely irreversible, it's probably a valuable lesson to learn and it's not the worst thing in the world. Okay, moving on, getting back to the actual question, which is what's the main difference between a site making say $200 a month and a site making $2,000 a month. And basically I was like, it's work. Like however much work someone put into the site, that is a direct reflection on the earnings and the traffic and so on. Are there exceptions? Sure. But most of the time, if someone's making a couple hundred dollars a month, they probably put a, you know, couple hundred dollars worth of effort, you know, figuratively speaking, there um they put in some time and then maybe they stopped working on it. Or maybe they weren't um, you know, putting as much effort into link building, but they were putting all their effort into content, for example. I hear that a lot. And when you when you look and you talk to people who are successful, usually they kept going a little harder. And they kept going a little bit longer and then the payoff was later. And that is one of the things that um, we forget about when you're talking about like uh, affiliate marketing and, you know, making money online because there were definitely periods. I mean, it's a very young, um, you know, business and business model as far as uh, like online. Right. So basically, um, there were periods of time where you could, you know, start a site, spam uh, like backlinks, have pretty terrible content, or even like spun content that doesn't make sense, and it would potentially rank within days, and you could make a lot of money. And if uh, Google penalized the site or something happened, um, it didn't really matter much. You could just start another site and do the same thing, and they called it like a churn and burn situation. So you could like churn out of sight and burn it to the ground. And it actually didn't matter that much because you could do it again. In fact, you could do a lot of these in parallel, but that was years ago. And times are different now because marketers abuse, you know, things that are working. So those things stop working. And these days it takes a lot more time. It takes way more time and the payoff is later. That's the whole point of of that analogy there. The payoff is later. So you may be doing work for a while where you're expecting to make a couple hundred dollars a month pretty quick or maybe a couple thousand because you're really confident and you feel like you're really smart. And I'm sure you are. We all are. Um, And you hear about these stories where you know, a college kid figured out how to make five hundred bucks a month online in his spare time, or the high school student who I'm going to interview soon. Who um, I, I can't remember what he got up to. I think it was a hundred or two hundred bucks a month, but he'll tell us um, hopefully in a couple of weeks. Here, I'll be able to publish that episode. Basically, the idea is you don't have to be in such a hurry, and if you you know, if you don't get discouraged too much and you're able to continue to put the time into it, chances are you'll get a bigger payoff at the end. And very, I mean, it's not even that long, right? It's not 10 years of learning like Steve Martin was talking about. It's like, if you could put the time in for the first six months, you're probably going to see some pretty good growth after you get out of the Google sandbox. Um, In fact, I was just texting with a friend of mine. She was able, um, I think in it's March or sorry, (laughs) it's April right now when I'm recording this in, um, her March revenue was like 290 bucks. Her site is roughly, um, six, seven months old. So she's just getting out of the sandbox, the Google sandbox that is. And in February she made a hundred bucks. So like almost a three X, um, improvement there and growth is, I mean, just looking at her traffic over the last couple of days, she's having, uh, quite a bit of growth. Hopefully she'll be on the channel, um, coming up again here soon. That was Christy back from, I think episode 10, but the point being, she put a ton of effort into the first six months, even when it looked like, you know, not much was happening. She was just getting, you know, 10 visitors a day, or less. And she just had faith. She trusted me to uh, continue on and was able to, you know, grow pretty quick. And I think because of all the effort that she put in within the first six months, she's going to have much uh, more explosive growth coming out of the sandbox going from six months to 12 months to 18 months. I mean, this is going to be a big site, like she's doing some very unconventional uh, outreach and link building, which is amazing to me because she's just, you know, taking some ideas and like, oh, what if we try this? Maybe we'll be able to share some of that in the future as well. OK, so overall, um, it's the amount of work that you put in and in the live stream on that uh, YouTube video that I did, basically... I had a good analogy. A couple of people complimented me on it, but it was like working out. And if you want to if you wanna be a bodybuilder and you want to get in good shape, there's no secret, right? You have to go to the gym often. That was Georgie there shaking. You have to go to the gym often. You have to lift some fucking heavy weights and you have to eat right. You also have to get some rest in there too. Rest is very important, but I mean, even eating the amount of food that you need to eat in the proper, you know, macro proportions and all that stuff, that's really hard to, you know, choke down that amount of protein. Um, And basically, everyone knows, everyone knows the secret, right? You have to lift heavy weights and eat, right? You have to put in the time. There's no shortcut, right? Um, There are, you know, smarter ways to do things. But there's no shortcut at all. You just have to put the time in, uh, whether it's stand-up comedy, an affiliate site, for example, writing, you know, some people uh, want to improve their writing, um, especially for their own sites, or maybe maybe you're a writer and you just want to improve. Um, I can tell you personally, I didn't think I was a very good writer at all, um, but I have been blogging and writing content now in a different you know format from business writing from uh I guess like mid 2013 so we're coming up on about 6 years of me like writing and trying to improve and by the way I was distracted a you know, a good chunk of the time. So I probably could be a much better writer um, if I wasn't doing so many YouTube videos, for example, or doing this podcast. But it's all, you know, everything's related. It's all communication. But to be able to, you know, write well, you just have to put in the time. You have to, you know, look at your material critically and try to improve. Again, Uh, There's no secret if you want to write better, you have to, uh, you know, edit hard and you have to spend time writing. No shortcuts, no real shortcuts unless you can, um, you know, get coaching or editing from a high end um, sort of or sorry, a, a more experienced person, that sort of thing. All right, that's all for this episode. And as I am sitting here, feeling worse and worse. I'm glad that I rebroadcast a couple of these fine episodes. I appreciate your patience and I'm, I'm glad that you're listening this far into the episode. Quick reminder, I do live streams on Fridays and if you haven't checked them out in a while, I encourage you to check them out because I've upped the production game. So I have some kind of cool software that allows me to play clips and do a little bit more fancy editing all on my own. I don't have a producer. This is a one-man shop. I do my own audio editing. I'm doing this in GarageBand right now. I'm kind of a do-it-yourselfer and I don't like to have a lot of people working with me, to be honest with you. There's just too many moving parts when you do that. I have built big teams before, but if you can keep it simple, that's what I prefer to do. So anyway, I'm doing these live streams. People dig them a lot. I'm enjoying them much, much more. And in fact, someone emailed me, and this is a much longer tangent of a story. So I'll save the the big meaty parts for something else. But someone mentioned to me like, hey, I used to watch your live streams, but people were asking the same questions all the time and you kind of were not giving great answers and it was kind of boring. So I've changed it up. So we have agendas. Now I go through some talking points, things that I want to talk about. People do ask questions. People answer those questions sometimes in the chat. I still answer some live questions, but we have specific things that we cover and it makes the live streams so much more enjoyable. They last an hour and people are enjoying the hell out of them, especially compared to the old days. So They're kind of, we're going off the rails there for a little while. So anyway, everybody have a good rest of the day and we'll catch you on the next episode.